Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this week's UFC prelims card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Bloody Elbow fight analysts Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the MMA Viva section with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. Yeah, I gave you the opening this time, and you didn't even fill it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fine. Anyway. <laughs> not anymore, I'm not, damn it. Oh, okay. We are here talking about this week's UFC card going down at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Noche UFC. We are not going to go into a whole other debate upon what, why Noche UFC and why not something else. I don't know. But I don't know, uh, talk- I don't know what you're talking about, Zane. I'm glad. I'm glad. This comes I, out. This comes out first, right? The prelim show. Yeah. No. Okay, I have no, no idea what you're talking about. It doesn't anymore. Not anymore. It doesn't. Oh, okay. Well, good point then. Yeah. Let's yes. not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are talking about the prelims right now, uh, with the featured prelim between Lupita Godinez and Elise Reed, on top of a prelim card that is, you know, it could be worse. It certainly could. It's short. And it's got some fighters we've seen before on it. And even a couple fighters that uh, have looked like pretty good prospects before in the past. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it also has features one of the most hilarious recent predictions in the MMA Twitterverse, which was a uh, dude on Twitter. Well, I can't remember who, uh, but a note, a, a an MMA fan on Twitter very correctly correctly uh, predicting that the awesome fight between Chris Curtis and Anthony Hernandez would devolve into uh, Roman Kapalov versus Josh Friend. Oh, yeah, I think that was was that Val DeWar that guy? I, I believe it was. Yeah, just I remember being like, that. oh man, this this Chris Curtis. Uh, Anthony Hernandez fight is awesome. It's, it'll suck ass when it be, when it ends up as Roman Kapalov versus Josh Fram. Just randomly shit. picked the names of two fighters that nobody cares about, really, in a boring matchup that means nothing, and it is exactly it is, it is exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, just amazing! A tale as old as 2022, at least yeah. in the UFC. You almost um, have. Or if McMaynard isn't back on it on Twitter trying to troll people. He saw that one. He's like, man, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I think that probably applies a little more cleverness to Joe Silva would do that. Joe Silva would definitely. Joe Silva was an evil genius. McMaynard's just evil. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Anyway, Lupe Godinez, Elise Reed. Yep. Cool fight. Cool fight. Incredibly should be incredibly predictable. Should be. But Lupita Godinez is... Um, she's already, I think, in a better place than... Um, oh, who did... Well, she just beat uh, Cynthia Calvillo. Oh, yeah. 
but it's not as better as it should be. Yeah, and what you mean to say is she has basically done what Calvillo did mm-hmm. in her last couple fights, just a lot more authoritatively and in a way that is absolutely a sensible way to pick up rounds. Yes. Because I'm, she she has largely been boxing in her recent yep. fights um, and eschewing most of her wrestling game. She used to be a very much a has-to-do-it-all. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Thank you. She used to be a has to do it all to win fighter, everything connected. And she has now become a lot more confident in her boxing. And because it is an aggressive, high output style of boxing, it just instantly makes more sense than Calvillo's game ever did. Yes. Calvillo, who developed a striking game that was was like, uh, was philosophically remote compared to her wrestling game. And it, it offered no way to even think about her wrestling game. Loopy, it's easy to see if if she gets a fight like this where she's pressing forward and it makes sense to wrestle, she should be able to bring it back in. It it is. It, we're just waiting for the tie-in to come back because exactly, yeah. The like, Lupita Godinez when she can wrestle, when she can get to that game part of her game, she's really good at it, and yeah. it's not something that she should be leaving behind. Yeah, she should be out there wrestling and grabbing people like uh, like Anthony Hernandez. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's, it's also clear why she's ended up in this place, which is because, you know, it used to be like her fights with Luana Carolina and yeah. Angela Hill and Jessica Penne. Yeah. Those fights really showed whenever somebody could stop one part of Godinez's style. Yeah. They could shut her down entirely. Yeah. And they were largely, I mean, they were all people who were long and rangy. And I mean, not all of them are even as good at, as Angela Hill at like actually outright no. stopping the takedowns. But well, she it, was she was uncomfortable getting to the range for her takedown game and did not have the striking to rely on without yeah. that at all. Yeah. I mean, in the Penne case, it was literally just Penne stopped her from grappling. Yeah, And the fact that she stopped her from grappling meant that she stopped her from wrestling because she didn't want to take her down. You know, she didn't want to end up on the ground with Jessica Penne, yeah. which then stopped the boxing, which lost her. Like, you know, it was like yeah. one thing shuts down, everything must stop. But it should be a pretty short bridge to cross, right, from this high output be. aggressive pressure boxing game to... Just just changing levels in the middle of one of those combinations. Mm-hmm. And if there's a fight to bring it back, it seems like a pretty obvious candidate. Yeah. You saw what Sam Hughes did to Elise Reed. Yeah. You know, not that Elise Reed, she does have that sort of like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good comparison, but you know, she, she has the ability to do something dangerous to you on the ground, like right at the start of the fight. Yeah. She often does. And then you kind of solve that and she just deflates. Mm-hmm. Reed is in she's working on it you can tell uh, but she is a one level of danger fighter yes uh, both in her grappling game and her striking game it's much more notable in her striking game she would prefer not to grapple at all but yeah. it's that way in her grappling as well in the same way that Jack Della Maddalena looks like a brawler in his decision making and uh, un- unchecked aggression in grappling just as much as he doesn't strike it. Yeah. 
you yeah. can see that stylistic tendency bleeding across the phases for Reed. Yeah. And right. so, yeah, she has like one idea and then it, it looks worse on the ground because after the one idea fails, she's just stuck in a bad position. Yeah. Uh, at least on the feet, she can, you know, move. Yeah. I mean, even even Jin Frey for a round. Yeah. Did exactly what Godinez needs to do to win this fight. Yeah. She that just, being said, I mean, I, th I think Godinez is not like she couldn't beat Elise Reed just pressuring her and hitting her a bunch. No, yeah. But it's she a could do that too. way more dangerous fight. Yep. And there's there's really no reason to. So I'm certainly picking Lupi Godinez. Yeah. I like how she's been developing. I just want to see her um, bring the rest of her game back in. Yeah. We just, that's really all we're waiting for. She's got the durability, she's got the technique, she's got the pace. She's got the pace. She just needs to be able to marry it all together in a way that she's not getting stranded in one style of fight so that if she's not winning that one style of fight, she's not winning at all. Yeah. She, she will ironically perhaps have reversed <laughs> the problem she had against like Luana Carolina. Yeah. Now she's going to, at some point, I don't think it's Elise Reed, but might run up against somebody who she just can't get overwhelm on the feet. Yep. And then she, I hope her wrestling will be there for her. Yeah, no kidding. The only reason she developed the striking is because it wasn't there for her before. So let's not yep. uh, overcorrect. Yeah, that's the worry. Because that is definitely, you know, like I say, it's... This is MMA. That's the Cynthia Calvillo trap of like, yeah. oh, I've worked a bunch on my striking. And then it's just like, yeah, but you had an electric grappling game when you got to the UFC. And now you can't even touch it. Yeah, this is MMA. I mean, there's so many yeah. things to learn, and so many of them are so sort of conceptually dis disparate from each other yeah. that it's really easy to get sucked into uh, funneling yourself into too narrow a game when you try to when you're you go in trying to round yourself out. Yep. All right. Uh, odds on the fight should be pretty clear. Reed is. Uh, uh, Godinez is a big favorite. Opened at minus four sixty three. Is currently at minus four thirty one. Reed opened at plus three sixty nine. Is currently at plus three forty eight. All right, that brings us to aforesaid hilarious de-evolution. Roman Kapalov, Josh Fremd. The Fremd return to the Fremd zone. Fremd zone. Fremd zone five. Yeah. You know what occurred to me? What? Since we I've been dropping the linguistic gems on this show. Oh yeah. Recently. Fremd, I believe, is actually German for stranger. Oh wow. It's actually it's... the opposite of a friend. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying instead of Roman Kapalov finding a friend, he's going to give himself a stranger? <laughs> let's use the word foreigner instead so you don't to, to spare us your disgusting jokes <laughs> all right uh oh this is me that's right yeah this is you uh i know your mind suddenly went elsewhere and it's hard yeah, to pull no, yourself I'm back but reeling myself back in yeah, I mean... Is that what you're calling it now? <laughs> <laughs> Quit reeling yourself and talk about the fights. I, Jesus. Look, look. Just, you know. Okay. <laughs> There's a joke about handling my rod in there, but I'm... <laughs> Come on. 
All right. Enough body British 70s humor. Yeah. <laughs> what are we working at a sexy hospital? Ooh, where, Mrs. All right, all right, all right. Uh, yeah, I mean, this should be this should be easy work for Roman Kopolov. Like he he has clearly turned a corner in the UFC. Yeah. The the problems that are in his style now are indicative of the problems that he walked in with, but they have, you know, it's a sort of like the problems haven't changed, but he's done what so many other fighters do, which is just improve them by getting better at the things you do well. Yeah. Where he came he came to the UFC as a sort of light fisted volume striker who was very hittable and didn't have a lot of power. And so he could get, you know, anybody who was willing to take his shots could bring their game to him. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen lately is that when he's moving forward, he's sitting down on a lot of more of his shots with a lot more power behind them. Yeah. He's just picking them better. I mean, he's just not throwing the same rote combinations. He is picking up on openings and pouncing. Yep, he's picking them better. He's sitting down on them. He's making them count better. So the fact that he's still a a defensive liability on the back foot, Mm -hmm. it gets hidden more because it's harder to put him on the back foot. Yeah, more likely to get hit hit and hurt walking in on him. And he's much more likely to convince you to stay away when he walks forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, like that Claudio Hibero fight, Hibero, you know, every time he would charge forward, he would start to club Roman Kapalov. Mm-hmm. And then he starts round two and he's immediately like, well, what if I just step back and wait and see what happens? And he gets head kicked. It's, uh, it's a much more dangerous proposition than it used to be. Mm-hmm. It, that, it could make for an interesting fight here because Fremd is, uh, you know, in, in ways that I didn't really kind of take advantage, you know, I think... That fight he had with Anthony Hernandez is much better explained by a dynamic that I didn't really realize until his last fight, which is that Fremd is gigantic. Mm. It did not really... They spent so much time scrambling in that Hernandez fight that it was not at all apparent to me that Fremd had, uh, what, he had four inches of height on Hernandez. And... Yeah, shit. He's 6'4". Yeah. No reach, but, like, he's just a big dude. Yeah. And that really was apparent in the fight he had then against Pickett. Pickett. Yeah. Where they just had to spend a lot of time clinched, and then suddenly you're like, oh, you know, Pickett's not actually, his athleticism is counting for nothing in this because Fremd is just so big and hard to move. Um, the problem is still, though, that he's not dangerous. Mm-hmm. He can clinch, he can push you around, but the physicality is really most of what he's got going for him. So if he's not dangerous, like, you know, for Kapalov, like, he might clinch him up and slow him down and be a pain in the ass. But every minute he's not doing that, he's just going to be getting out, outlanded, outdamaged. Yeah. So I have to pick Roman Kapalov. He's the dangerous guy in the cage. 
weirdly enough. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I just think um, Fremd doesn't have a very well connected game. Yeah, well, he he, you know, they talked about it too in his picket fight that he was like a four sport athlete. He play, he he was had a football scholarship, and I'm you know I'm sure it was like football, baseball, track, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh. He fights like a guy who who didn't learn any fighting skills until after he quit all other sports. Mm-hmm. So there's just not a lot there, you know? Yeah. Um, and not even like overwhelming physicality, other mm-hmm. than this other than the size, as you just noted, yeah. which somehow doesn't even come through because you, you look at him and you're like, This is a normal guy. Yeah. I mean, that's probably why that football scholarship didn't turn into anything is that sure. it's hard to imagine him out on a football field being a difference maker. Right. Um, yeah. And so first of all, it seems like a problem just consistently getting to a range where like it, it's possible from just dashes through space. Yeah. And just tries to clinch up with Kopolov. Um, If you can't do that, it's hard to see him consistently getting to like the grappling positions. It feels like he needs to get yeah. to, to have any shot. But then the way people beat Kopov, it isn't really by out grappling him. Uh-uh. I will say that like against Albert Duryev, that dude tried to grapple him a ton and Kopov stopped almost every single one of his takedowns. Yeah. He did get controlled the one time he got taken down, but it was not easy to get him to those positions. However, this did also have the effect of reducing the volume yeah. from Kopolov. So that is a path. It is for, a path. But I do, it doesn't seem very practical for a really unphysical and uncoordinated, at least on the feet, fighter like Fremd. Yeah. And without a lot of damage there to do, too. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you better hope you get him down and you control him for the entirety of your round. And that the fact that he's low output doesn't mean that he isn't still just hitting you with the clearly the best shots of each round. Yep. Which wow. he will be because a friend is not much to speak of defensively on the feet. Yeah. Should be an easy pick. Kapalov opened at minus three thirty three, currently plus uh and is current or no, he opened at minus two forty two, is currently at minus three thirty three. Fremd opened at plus two eleven, is currently plus two eighty. So yeah, they've been trending apart. Makes sense to me. All right, that brings us to a flyweight bout. Edgar Chires, Daniel Lacerda. And uh, you ready for two to three solid minutes of Daniel Lacerda going absolutely ape shit and then you, you bet I am exploding into a fiery mass. Yeah, this would be a harder fight to call if I didn't trust uh, <laughs> if I didn't trust Lacerda to literally undo himself. Yeah. Um because uh, Chires, I mean, he certainly showed up looking relatively good against Tatsuro Tyra, given the odds. Mm-hmm. He hurt Tyra. He, w- he was effective with the leg kicks. He dropped him at one point Yeah, with a quick little left hook. And then basically every time they were on the feet, he was legitimately showing up Tyra striking. Yeah. Um, mostly, I think. Terrible decisions on the mat. He made horrible decisions on the mat. He kept going guillotine. His corner... I actually, I think this might be one of those fights where they were like, you were close. <laughs> I think they, yeah. they, this corner may have encouraged the guillotine attempts. Um, 
which absolutely helped contributed to him losing the fight. Yeah. And Lacerda, like Lacerda could pounce all over that. He's, he's an electric grappler. He's an electric striker. He's got power. He's got dynamic takedowns. Everything he does early in the fight is dynamic and dangerous and made to win. But it just, it costs him everything. Yeah. Yeah. He could have uh, an electric round one, and then you just look over the cage, and there's like toe bones. There's like a kneecap. Just pieces just flying off of him from having the fight he wants to have. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Chirez is a... um, it can be a largely sort of one note fighter, one idea at a time, pretty accurate, pretty powerful, but uh, he can absolutely be beaten on the feet and overwhelmed on the feet. That's there, but he doesn't really get knocked out. No, he's tough. Yeah. He does. And have even some... The fights he's lost via submission have been late submission. Ex- exactly. Yeah. No instant submission losses. I mean, uh, I just don't really see how Lacerda converts that first round insanity into a win. Yeah, and you even look at Lacerda's record too, and you realize really quickly looking at it, a all of his wins, at least the ones that are recorded on Tapology. I can I actually uh, let's see, Sherdog, Lacerda, Sherdog. They always have the old unverifiable classic records. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what you're saying is all the ones that are recorded on Tapology are round Our first one, first round wins. Uh, it's Luan Lacerda. I want uh, Daniel Lacerda. Descent. Yeah. As are plenty of his losses, by the way. Like if it yeah. goes outside the first round, he's guaranteed to lose, but he might lose in the first two because he's too insane. Yeah. So Lacerda, all of his, all of the early unrecorded, he had one win in round two in 2018 and that's it every other win has been a round one win and not only that but you actually look at the caliber of opponents that he's been beating even when he like took steps up and it's bad yep like it is just the you know it's it's no wonder that he fights the way he does yep because he has he he came up as a can crusher who has only crushed cans, and now it doesn't work. Yeah, literally his only loss before getting to the UFC was a first round shoulder injury. Yeah, <laughs> where he went so insane that literally his arm flew off. Yep. Um. So, yep. How do you not pick Chires? At least Chires can go into rounds two and three and still be in there doing his thing making yep. bad decisions all fight long instead of just making all the bad decisions you'll ever make in three minutes. Yeah. yeah. If YOLO were, were given, you know, anthropomorphized, given right. human form, it would be Daniel Lacerda. Should be his nickname. Should be. He's Mio, Miojo. I don't know what that means. He should be Daniel YOLO Lacerda. Sounds good, too. It does. Uh, Chayrez opened at minus 214. He's currently minus 243. Uh, De Silva, Lacerda opened at plus 188. He's currently at plus 212. So, yeah, no surprise there. Chayrez is not a 
great dependable fighter in the UFC. He's got a pretty one note game. He's not bad at it. I don't think he's got flyweight speed and you know, he's he's a big flyweight who I think is gonna find out as he keeps going in the UFC that a lot of other dudes are just way too fast to be a huge boxer mm-hmm. in that division. Um but this seems, you know, you can't pick Lacerda to win anything. Chires is at least functional, even if he is maybe at some point a future bantamweight. All right, that brings us to a woman's flyweight bout, Tracy Cortez, Jasmine Jasudovicius, and this is a tough call. Uh, There's a lot that I'm not that into about Tracy Cortez's game. It is very much a Aspen Lad 1.5 kind of game. Uh, yeah. The short, stubby, uh, short-armed fighter who is insistent on having a busy boxing game with no focus on how to dictate any of the range and any idea of really what range she wants other than the eventual idea that she wants to crash into you and be clinched up with you and take you down. Um, she, but she, she marries that also with much better takedowns than lad had much better shots. Uh, I think her game, her boxing is a little more thoughtful just a little, not a lot, but mm-hmm. Lad was incredibly mindless with her, yeah, sort of robot uh, fry f- style of fighting. And uh, then she's a really good scrambler. She is just an excellent wrestler. I mean, it just an excellent wrestler, <clears throat> yeah, all around. Matt wrestling. Not a great defensive wrestler, actually. That's isn't wrestling. that isn't that the thing? That seems to be the yeah. case with a lot of good wrestlers who come to MMA, doesn't it? Yeah. I and I and I think maybe it's maybe it just has to do with adopting a different stance. Could be. Yeah. Uh, that is one of the things you cannot be in a real wrestling stance in the striking. You will just yeah. get chewed up, like chin up, head forward, hands down, like Yeah. I think probably a lot of wrestlers defensive games just rely on them already being in position to catch a shot incoming and having the opponent having to do some work to throw them out of position. That's when like they just start in a position where they can't be taken down and then they have to learn to get into a defensive position after the takedown has been initiated. Yeah, that's quite a leap for a lot of experienced wrestlers. And on the flip side, Jasuda Vicius is, she's big, she's determined, she has a very uh, clear idea of what kind of range and what kind of uh, strikes she wants to insist on, you know, there's, it's not a, she's not a, she's not quick on her feet. She's not slick with her striking Mm -hmm. at all, but she knows exactly what her striking is doing and why she's doing it and what it is for. You know, there's no, you don't see a lot of, with Jasuda Vicious, like Cortez is the kind of fighter who will throw out a short little jab and 
get countered with the same jab over and over and just kind of do that yeah. for a minute. Yeah. And Jasuda Vicius is the kind of fighter who, <clears throat> if she's throwing and hitting you and you're, th- and you're throwing and hitting her, that's fine because that is her path to getting in your face yeah. with more strikes that she can use to clinch you up and slow you down. She is and drag instinctively, you into the... instinctively a better fighter than Tracy Cortez. She, yeah. I mean, this is the same thing we, we talked about against her, against Miranda Maverick. It's yeah. that just to be, we picked Maverick because it's like, well, Maverick's a better athlete and she should be able to handle problems when they come to her. But Jasuda Vesius is a much more natural, extinct, instinctive fighter. And uh, that's kind of the same thing here. The big difference is that Cortez is a better, she is a more uh, determined wrestler and scrambler than Maverick. And uh, I would say technically better, too, at it. Mm-hmm. So that Jasuda Vesius, you know, but you're otherwise dealing with the same problem where Jasuda Vesius is going to, she's going to march forward. She's going to insist on her game. And she's probably going to make Cortez pretty uncomfortable with it just for her size and her insistence as Cortez is probably going to try to like skate around and, you know, figure out how she wants her striking to look. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to get clinched up. And it's the question really comes down to because Jesuda Vesius is a great top player. That's the other thing. She's phenomenal in top position, but that is that is contrasted with how she looks when she is being out grappled. Yes, she 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 somehow gets she's either squishing or getting squished. I mean, I think that's what it is with the why she feels instinctively like a better fighter because. Jasuda Vesius can like feel an initiative. She can feel momentum. Yeah. In a way that I don't think Cortez can. She smells no. blood and she's like, now, 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 you have an advantage. Like, grab it and, yeah. and expand on it. Cortez doesn't have that. She's sort she of does. clinical, is not even the word, like b- bloodless. Like, she's just sort of in yeah. there, like, making decisions mm-hmm. and trying things. The thing I will say, though, is that Cortez, at this point in her career, you know, may, I can't even remember what's the fight she lost. She lost way back in her debut via guillotine. Uh-huh. Tracy Cortez never gets out grappled. Like, you can take her down. You yep. can get the first wrestling move on her. Yep. She always wins the scramble. Always. I mean, she'd be there in Blanchfield. You know? Yep. And that might be too big a hill to, for Jesuda Vesius to overcome. Yeah. No, Trace, Tracy's mat wrestling is just like, yeah, you, you can. And also, like, even it's even difficult to see her getting taken down because, like, um, no, and she's and and most of her takedowns come from the clinch. Yeah. Where you don't run into that problem of like, oops, I'm not in position to stop the shot or protect my legs. It's like, oh, we're tied up. Okay, my underhook is there. Now take me down. And it should be said, like Melissa Gatto did just like body lock, lift, and you know, drag Cortez to the ground with back control. 
But what happened out of that is Tracy Cortez just like rolled through it and twisted around and ended up on top. Yep. You know, she she doesn't lose that kind of fight. So yeah. I she's, think I'm she's calm pick. in a scramble like Sean Strickland is calm in a pocket exchange. Like yeah. she's just done it so much. She just looks experienced and sharp. Yeah. In scrambles. And she's got that that uh you know, she's got that short, per- that short stockiness to her too, where it's just like you know, you get the feeling that grappling with her is just like you know, there, there's no limb that you can just hold on to, and you're like, oh, I'll just, I'll just pull on it. Like everything, just you know, it's like a sphere trying to grapple. <laughs> yeah. Sphere. Yeah. So, I'm gonna pick Cortez, but it'll be interesting because. You know, Jesuda Vicius, we've already said this with Miranda Maverick. Like, Cortez, or Jesuda Vicius is the more natural, instinctual fighter. And she's going to have better ideas of how to implement a winning fight yeah, from the and, jump. And it seems like very likely, almost certain, that Cortez is going to give her the initiative. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to be in there like, okay, what are you going to do? That's just kind of how she approaches her fights, particularly on the feet. But, the yeah, the, the feeling I have is the same, that the fight that's going to get brought to her, because uh, it's not like you can, can you picture Jesuda Vicius like out striking her to a win? Not She's, really. Not really. Like it has to lead to Jesuda yeah. actual game. Yeah. Her game is all, you know, we talked about this with Lupita Godinez about like uh, her game used to be a game where you have to do everything. Yeah. Jesuda Vicius is, it's not quite that way because I think she can. I think she's so instinctual with how she she knows how she wants to fight that you can't ever really actually stop Jesuda Vicius from implementing what she wants to do. But it is a game entirely built on going through all the stages. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the kind of thing where, like, if you stop Jesuda Vicius from wrestling you, she'll just clinch you for three rounds. She doesn't care. She's not going to be like oh, well, this isn't working. I guess I'll take my foot off the gas. Right. She'll just be like, well, you know, or if you stop her from clinching you, she'll just kickbox with you for three rounds. She might not win. Yeah. But it's not the same sort of like where Lupita Godinez would have fights where you stop her wrestling and she's just like, I I don't know what to do now. Right. I'm just sitting here watching. She doesn't have that problem. She's going to keep pressing. But it is still a game where it's, the strikes create the clinch. The clinch creates the takedown. The takedown creates the top control. That is the game. That is the process. And you can strand her yeah. away from that top, uh, away from that best aspect. Yeah. And and really only the top game has a feeling of being like sophisticated. Dangerous. Yeah. And dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. yeah, anything. But having like depth to it, whereas... Everywhere else, it's, it is very, uh, very much a bridge to get to the next thing. Yeah. Even against Miranda Maverick. I mean, that one sequence that's going to get turned into highlights for just Sudovicius, where she's just running forward, doing like a Vitor Belfort combo. Yeah. yeah. Like nothing is landing. No. <laughs> These aren't great strike. She just is like, oh, she's on the retreat. She's afraid. She doesn't like this. Go, 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 which is a great. instinct for a fighter to have Cortez does not have that but Cortez does have the skill and the athleticism and the experience in Jesuda Vicius's actual best phase 
Yeah. To like to probably just come up with the right answers when it inevitably gets there. Yep. And nothing else is really threatening enough uh, to win the fight without getting into Cortez's A game. Yeah. That said, if if Cortez just decides she doesn't want to get taken down and yeah. this ends up just being like a clinch wall install game, Jesuit, it could be the kind of fight where you're just like, well, I yeah, yeah. guess Jesuda Vicius landed more knees to the thigh. Yeah. You know? She's got the instinct for like how to keep on people, honestly. Yeah. But Cortez really should win it. She's just. She you just can't out grapple her so far. Yeah. It's just, just not a way anyone beats her. Even getting moments, you end up getting out grappled. Yep. Cortez opened at minus 123, is currently at minus 113. Jesuit Vicius opened at plus 112, is currently plus 102. Yeah, I mean, I, Cortez has gone through a lot of personal stuff, some injuries, stuff like that. I can see the line. And Jesuit Vicius has overperformed too. So. Mm hmm. It it makes sense that it would be close, but it Jesuitavicia still just feels like a fighter who is she's going to be a continual test outside the top fifteen in that division, and Cortez is the fighter, and Maverick could have been the fight could be the fighter. It's like top fifteen fighters are going to run into Jesuitavicius before they they hit the rankings. Mm-hmm. And be like, oh, this is this is a test of how actually confident I am in my skill. Mm-hmm. Where against a fighter who might never rise up the rankings, but is always going to be. Yeah, and it is still not clear if Cortez isn't like Maverick, going to sort of stall out. Yeah, I mean, like a... I called her Aspen Lad one point five. Aspen Lad almost got a title fight and then got axed from the UFC, like. A year, a half a year later, a year later. Yeah, you know the the pro, the problem is is that Cortez has the feeling of she approaches fights as if her primary goal is to be there to win whatever fight happens to her. Yeah, she is not out there imposing. What is the Tracy Cortez game that she is imposing on her opponents? It's not easy to say. Yeah. All right, that brings us to a lightweight bout: Charlie Campbell. Alex Reyes. What's what's going on here? Uh, so Alex Reyes got absolutely nuked by Mike Perry on short notice five years five ago. years ago, and then was doing some kind of like experimental therapy, I believe. And got a staph infection in his neck. Oh, God. And it was, like, paralyzing. Just wrecked him. And he has been on the road to recovery. He's been insistent all through that process. I will fight again. Well, he's made it, you know, more or less. Yeah. And so he's back after five years. Dominic Reyes' older brother. Oh, is he? Yep. Nice. And the UFC has found a guy for him to fight. And 
It is the uh, Charlie Campbell is, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a Sarah Longo fighter, but he's he's kind of proof that like not everybody that comes out <laughs> of every camp is going to out of every good camp is going to be a banger. Yeah. He is really just he's insistent on aggressive uh, infighting. And he doesn't have any defense while he does it. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. I want to imagining like Matt Sarah and Ray Longo pointing out Charlie Campbell and saying he's one of theirs makes me want to have the, uh, the, uh, the, the universal response to uh, Anne on arrested development. <laughs> Him? 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 That's your guy? Yeah. And then Matt's like, he's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's hope so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's not good. He's no. just not good. He's a he's a completely formless mess. He is Guto Innocente uh, 2.0. Yeah. Innocent, please. Innocent. Guto Innocent. Guto Innocent. Yeah, he's he's completely formless. I mean, he his fight with um with uh Nainua Dung mm-hmm. is really funny. It's it's his lone Bellator fight. Oh no, he had one more. And I looked at it on the record as I pulled it up and I was like, oh, he wins by leg kicks. And then I was very confused as to who Charlie Campbell was because much of the fight is Charlie Campbell getting owned with leg kicks. <laughs> like, wait, no, Charlie Campbell's the, the pale blonde guy, right? I had to keep checking his topology picture. And then he just sort of randomly wins with some, like with a few low kicks much later into the fight. And, and the entire time he just just looking bad. He overextends on his strikes. Nothing is connected. He has no defense at all. Um, like not even on the ground. Like he yeah. certainly is a fighter that when he gets top position on somebody, he knows what to do with it. But uh, whether or not he gets it really depends on how bad the opponent is. And that's most of his opponents. You know, they're mostly either very inexperienced or straight up bad. Yep. And, uh, of course, he had the one fight in the Contender Series with Chris Duncan, a pretty decent fighter who just wrecked him. That being said, I have no idea what to expect out of Alex Reyes. Like, obviously, yeah. this is a good pick if you just want a guy he can beat. But can he beat him? Alex Reyes was a pretty solid, like, savvy, experienced fighter when he lost to Mike Perry. Yeah. That was just a poisonous matchup for him. But uh, that was five years ago, and it sounds like an incredibly harrowing journey of physical degradation. Yeah. And it has uh, to be noted, too, that his his opponents getting to the UFC were largely really bad. Yeah. He fought, he fought a mix. I mean, he was uh, king of the cage champion for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, for, for as much as that meant, even in 2014, I'm not sure how significant a title that was. But uh, yeah, I mean, the vast majority of his record is nobodies and yep. and losers. And uh, yeah, I think against it's possible he comes in there and against that level of opponent, he's capable of putting on a facade of being like a kind of a slick, creative mm-hmm. striker. Yeah. Um, it's obviously, as we saw against Mike Perry, a pretty, a pretty thin facade. It doesn't hold up to, yeah. st- to stress testing. He, but, he uh, very much has the kind of defense where it's like, you always think you're safer than you are. Absolutely. Yeah. 
but you know, he does move his feet. He does look for yeah. counters. He'll put combinations together. He's a two-handed fighter. Like he, he, he clearly had the makings of someone who could have been a solid striker. And I just don't know what to expect. He should beat Charlie Campbell. I'm going to pick Charlie Campbell. I'm just, you know, yeah, I think I am too. Fighting. I'm just going to pick. And the thing with Sarah Longo is at the very least, okay, Goodo in a sense aside, and maybe Campbell is this dude too. He's only been fighting for a few years now, so it's still early in his career. Um, he should get better, even if it's never good. Like that Sarah Longo team, few fighters tend to just stagnate there. You know, it's true. He should get some better. Yeah. So I have more faith in that than I do Alex Reyes coming back after five years of, yeah, you know, from getting a, a, a neck infection that like paralyzed him. Yeah. To, uh, I'm happy for him. If this was his dream and his goal that he made it to this point, I mean, I hope it doesn't crush him if he loses that this was the thing he was holding on to. And, Hopefully he can be satisfied with the accomplishment of having having yeah. made it back into the cage. But yeah. it's really hard to trust somebody, especially now knowing what he went through. But even just knowing that it was a five year layoff with no fights. Yeah. I was already like, well, how's he gonna at least Charlie Campbell's been active. Yeah. You know? At least those Sarah Longo guys are scrappy and they don't lay down if you just beat him up a little bit. He'll keep coming. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to pick the active young guy over the older guy who, at his best, I probably would have picked with ease over Charlie Campbell. But Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Campbell is a massive favorite. Opened at minus 366. It's currently minus 426. Reyes opened at plus 304. It's currently plus 344. Yeah, nobody's willing to take the ch- take the chance on Alex Reyes there. Yeah. All right, and that brings us to our final fight of the prelims. Josephine Knudsen against Marnik Mann, which is probably running way up on my list of most fun UFC names to say. Marnik Mann. Yeah. It's just a what, fun... Where does that name come from? Right. She's from uh, she's from the U.S. Apparently, she's from is that, Montana. Is it a Scandinavian thing? Maybe. No, maybe it's just yeah. Maybe it's just some weird Montana thing. They're kind of weird up there. <laughs> yeah, never heard it before. Marnik man. Uh, but yeah, this is should be a pretty easy fight to call. Honestly, mm-hmm. Knudsen looks like a pretty decent prospect. Mm-hmm. She has some power. She has some speed. She has defensive awareness. Uh, and she has trust in her ability to be violent and just sit down on something and go after it. Mm-hmm. And Marnik Mann, for a 6-1 and one record, is one of the most blank slate fighters yeah. I have ever seen. Or it's not even like mistakes or like, oh... She self-destructs. You know, it's not the, it's not the, uh, what's his name? Daniel Lacerda thing yeah. where you're like, oh, this is a fighter who just has big gaps everywhere. There's just nothing Marnik Man does. Yeah. At all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's a zygote. 
Really? Yeah. As yet undetermined fighter. Like, I've seen her shoot for takedowns, but she she doesn't have any she doesn't have any idea how to change angles. So almost all of her takedowns just involve dr- driving somebody into the cage mm-hmm. and then hanging there. I haven't seen her uh, when she does get people down. She doesn't tend to be able to like, she doesn't do anything with that really. Mm-hmm. It's pretty static on top. And she doesn't do any clinch work. And her striking is incredibly raw. Yeah. Just incredibly uncomfortable in all forms. So, yeah, unless Knudsen just has a meltdown or Marnik Mann shows up as some entirely new vision of improvement, you got to go with Knudsen. Yep. Pretty sure it's Knudsen, by the way. Knudsen? Only English has, of all the Germanic languages, only we have the silent K. That's true. Knudsen. It's, it's King Knut, not King Newt. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I really have nothing to add. Knudsen, at least. Uh, she's certainly very scrappy. I've seen her get put into tough spots. And it's not like I wouldn't call her game raw. Sure. But it, but it is a game that uh, she, she clearly understands the value of aggression. And she fights hard in absolutely every position she's put in. Why wouldn't I pick her over somebody who just doesn't, just sort of random, seemingly at random, just does stuff? Even then, does stuff like what stuff? Like I've <laughs> yes. never seen her do anything really except get hit and shoot. Yeah, those are the only things I've really seen Marnik Man do. Yeah, so absolutely picking Knutson. Uh, Knutson opened at minus four hundred five. Currently minus five fifty nine. Man opened at plus three twenty nine. Currently plus four thirty three. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcasts and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.